Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. All right, welcome back to Training for Manhood. This is Dan Panetti. I've got Jason Snyder um, and uh, Dr. Jason Snyder. It, it is. It is. It is. It is. Um, and uh, Jason and I are actually um, family, although he never admits it. That is not true. What? I tell everybody I know that I'm related to Dan Panetti. Do you really? Yes, I really do. Does that get you anywhere? I mean, have, have you gotten Well, anything? I don't know if it's gotten me anywhere, but I do tell people. <laughs> <laughs> It's never been a detriment. Let people, me say people that. People give you strange looks, though. Like, yeah, they're really? like, how how are you related to that so, guy? And it, I don't it, understand. Well, it is kind of funny, right? Because it's uh, it's relation through marriage. Yes. Right? And, and I'll, Okay, so your grandfather yes. and my father-in-law mm-hmm. were brothers. Brothers. Yes. Yes. So I married into the Snyder family, mm-hmm. right? And yours, Lucky you. I think. <laughs> <laughs> And and all the Snyders listening are like, yes, yes. that's right. That's yes, right. there's no question. Yeah, the, but uh, um, yeah, the Wyoming Snyder families, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if there's other Snyders out there, right, they may be related to the Wyoming Snyder family. It's possible. It could but be. But it's S-N-Y. S-N-Y. Yes, not S-C-H. Which, okay, I grew up with Schneiders, mm-hmm. right, who mm-hmm. say it's Schneider because they yes. were all German, right? Mm-hmm. My little yes. town in Wisconsin, half, half Italian, half German, they were mm-hmm. Schneiders. Schneiders. But Snyder is different. It's an Anglicanized version of the German word. Oh wow! So in some some time back, I'm I'm learning a lot. Here. Yeah, they they changed it. it. Used to be S N I. This is all things we, you know. You'd say Snitter then. Yeah, right? talk about training about manhood. Yeah, exactly. talk we're, about we're last there. names. Yeah, uh, okay. But I, I'm but a huge it, I'm a huge fan in names. Yes, names so I think are tremendously S-N-I important. I okay originally, uh, and then it became S N Y. Yep, uh, was changed some point. Um, Late 19th century, as far as I can tell, I actually did the research. Do you know what it means? Out. It means tailor. Okay. If it, if it is the German word, okay. Schneider yeah. means tailor. Yeah. So, And my name, Panetti, means little bread. Okay. Right? Pan is bread. Eddie yeah. is small. Right? With go. the little bread. We are we are the substance uh, right, of life. We are the bread family. Sure. Right? So and I clothe people, apparently. And you clothe people. Yeah, the tailor. I so, love it. Together. Yeah. And right? shod, most likely, because tailors would have been cobblers, cobblers as well. Cobblers as well. So. There you go. So, yes, lesson number one, find out what your name means. I ask people that all the time, by the I way. I agree. What, what is your name And mean? first and names are important, like, too. Yes. yes. Jason means? Uh, healer. Okay. And yeah. Daniel means God is my judge. Yes. So. Yeah. Daniel is one of my most favorite Old Testament characters. Really? I knew that. Yes. yes. Yeah. He's a great character. Mm-hmm. Lots of great stories. Plus Phenomenal. Some of the revelation of things yet to come. I mean, he mm-hmm. had, can you imagine that? Right? God's like uh, giving you stuff there and for the future. The things that Daniel saw yes. and experienced. Yes. I'm definitely um, getting in the Daniel line when I get to heaven. There's no question. You know? I kind of hope, <laughs> and I've said this to people several times, I kind of hope in heaven there's going to be like a recorded yeah. history of the world totally. that we can go into the heavenly IMAX Amen. and watch it. Because yeah. there's so many unanswered yeah. questions, and honestly, we don't know yeah. Park, so Parker much. Was just, Parker was just showing me a video about how they um, how they made the pyramids. Yes. Right? And how they, you know... It's a lot of controversy uh, right now, actually. A lot of controversy right now yes. over how they, how they made the pyramids, mm-hmm. right? Do you have a thought on that? So I'm I'm <laughs> one that actually thinks that the pyramids are pre-deluge, so pre-flood. Pre, Pre-flood. I think there's evidence... Uh, they're in Egypt that they would have existed pre-flood. Okay. 
So I, I think, think it's I think it's aliens. It, well, there you go. <laughs> that is another popular opinion. I, I That's right. <laughs> Alien technology, maybe, yeah. and then they left. Yeah, I'm like, going to go with man did it because uh, okay. I'm not a big alien guy. Okay. I do yeah. believe in dinosaurs, but not aliens. Yeah, I don't yeah. either. Yeah. <laughs> there are some people that I wonder. Like, what in the world? Mm-hmm. Okay, so today <laughs> we are not talking about the pyramids. We are not talking about our names. Mm-hmm. Um, we are talking about. <clears throat> Um, and I, I think I think it was an Andrew Murray quote, and I can't find it, um, but I always remember Andrew Murray wrote a great book called Humility. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. And uh, uh, and I remember in this concept, right, it, that I thought he said um, that humility was the hinge on which the door of Christianity swings. Mm. In in a sense, saying right that humility is is you know essential, right, like vital from a Christian standpoint. I think. Right to take it one step further. Further, I think humility, right, is important for everybody. I agree. I think it gives you, in a sense, um, the blessed life, the mm-hmm. ability to understand um, life and to navigate it in a way that um, helps you um, do life well. Right, whether you're a believer or not. Mm-hmm. I think just having mm-hmm. a humble heart puts you in the position to where you can do life well. Now, I want to tell you why. Um, I wanted to do the humility one with you, and this is going to be kind of funny, right? Okay. Um, but but honestly, it's it's uh, it goes back, right? Mm-hmm. We we remember um, back when you were in high school, mm-hmm. right? You came down, did a little high school trip through, and um, I don't, was that the first time I met you, or did I meet no, you before? No, no, I, met I had met you before. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, but we had we'd been kind of paying attention um, to Jason Snyder, right? Um, you went off to college. You were going to become a doctor. I was. Um, you got this call on your life uh, from the Lord to go mm-hmm. into ministry, um, kind of a full-time vocational ministry. You ended up going to seminary. And uh, I just remember uh, part of your story during seminary was you worked at Costco. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. And we talked about, it's like, what was Jason doing at Costco? And I just remember <laughs> you were saying, like, I clean toilets. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> and and I'm just saying, right, that's stuck in my memory because I've always had this concept that I think that there are some people that they have jobs that are beneath them, mm-hmm. right? And I love people who, in a sense, don't have things that are beneath them, right? Sure. It's just, it's, it's work, it's work to be done. I get paid. I'm not there mm-hmm. because God's called me to clean toilets. I'm there because, right, I'm doing a job. God's called me to do something, but I, you know, hey, I've got to have work. I've got to put food on the table, right? And so, you know, that's something that I can do. And I've always admired you as a young man hmm. who just um, exemplified humility, now, I, I don't want to give you a badge and put that on you today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> exactly, right? You know, Jason, the most humble man It's kind man of counterintuitive in the conversation. And it is, <laughs> yeah. right? Because I want to talk about, one, how important humility is, mm-hmm. and two, how do you grow in humility, right? Mm-hmm. If you think is hu- humility is important, like, how do you get it, right? Sure. And so that's what I wanted to have that conversation with you because I think part of the way that you were brought up mm-hmm. um, leads to the idea that there's humility that's been a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't just something you woke up one day and said, hey, I want to be more humble today, right? But it's you've learned how to work hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you've learned how to you know, get up in the morning. You, you were raised on a, a farm. Yes. Um, and I think that so many people who don't have those similar experiences miss a lot of the tools that help them develop humility. So what would they have to do? So mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you think? When I say humility, what does that bring to mind for you? Sure. Uh, well, cleaning toilets is one of them. Um, <laughs> it, it wasn't exactly my choice, right? Uh, but sometimes well, uh, living the, hum- uh, but it, the but humble it was. life, but it was yes, your it was because you, you, I didn't leave the opportunity exactly. And and I do, 
I honestly do. I choose that word intentionally. It was an opportunity, right? It, I wasn't forced to do that. Right. Um, I could have left the job. Now that would have been somewhat detrimental uh, in my first, you know, two years of marriage, not having a job. Um, and I promised my wife, uh, Kaylin, her dad, that I would take care of her. Yeah. And so a job is a job. Job is a job. And uh, there were difficult days uh, cleaning toilets. Uh, trust me. Uh, but I also knew that, you know, n- I've always been taught that nothing is above me yeah. or, or nothing is beneath me, right. or re- better put. And, you know, when you have a job to do, you do the job. And growing up on the farm, you learned hard work at a very, very early age. Right. And if you didn't do the job, uh, there would m- there would be no crop or at least the harvest that you would harvest uh, would not be of any real value. Yeah. And so you get up every morning, you get up early, yeah. and you do the job that God has assigned to you. And then I think the humble piece where it comes in is you realize that as hard as you work in that in that situation, you are completely and totally mm. dependent upon God Almighty to give the increase. Sure. So you're I mean, not growing the crop. There's yeah, it doesn't have anything to do <laughs> you with You plant it, right. You water it. I honestly think that farmers yeah. Um, ranchers as well because of their, you know, sure. uh, yeah, yeah. Their, you know, their husbandry and things like that mm-hmm. with the animals. But um, they're some of the most spiritual people yeah. and prayerful people because they put the seed in the ground uh, and then they they have to trust 100% that God is going to germinate the seed, yeah. have it come through uh, the soil crust, and then, and then give the increase eventually. Yeah. And then you are at the mercy of in many ways, the weather, the climate, you know, the temperatures, um, all of that. Uh, and so you are every day leaning yeah. into God going, and, God, you've yeah. got to do this. In some sense, that helps develop humility because um, as I was reading and kind of putting some thoughts together on humility, it was talking about this idea of, you know, are you God-reliant or self-reliant, mm-hmm. right? And the concept from a, a farming perspective is if you're self-reliant, if you think you're out there making this happen, Right, it, it, it's know, not you're, going yeah, to happen. You're, you're kidding yourself. Yeah. You are you 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 are working hard, right. right? But you are definitely relying on God. I, I love how you said um, you get up every day and do this. I remember mm-hmm. one of my great stories about Bud, who's my father-in-law. Mm-hmm. You know, passed away about 14 years ago. Um, but I just remember Christmas morning, right? Mm-hmm. You know, all the grandkids are together and we're there, and and uh, and the kids are talking to Bud, and he's always telling stories about mm-hmm. the farm and this and this or whatever. And he mentioned something about going out and milking the cows Christmas morning. Yes, and the kids were fascinated, like. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Like you got up on Christmas morning and milked the cows, like that's incredible. And Bud just looked at the kids and was like, the the cows don't know it's Christmas. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, exactly. It's just it's just a morning. Well, to the cows. To, to similar example, we rarely went on any kind of family vacation. Sure. We didn't have the dairy cows to milk. My dad had revolted against that uh-huh. uh, because he grew up on the dairy. Yeah. Uh, he was but doing the, the sugar farm beer. was very much the same. Yeah. Right. So. Um, the irrigation and the taking care of and, you know, the, the driving through the farm and checking on all of the things to ensure that it was operating correctly. And so to, to disappear, so to speak, for a week on vacation uh, was almost unheard of. Right. Or we would take vacation in off seasons, you know, winter sports and things like that because the farm was laying dormant yeah. in, in many ways. And so um, – yeah, I mean, humility, you mentioned pride. It's really, humility is the antithesis of pride right. in so many ways. And a great definition of pride is exactly what Satan says is, I will ascend to the place of the Most High. Right. I'm going to replace God. I, I, I. I, 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 yep. me, 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 right? 
And so humility, if, if, it, if it truly is the antithesis of that, it is less of me and more of God, or more glory of God, more recognition of who God is, and, and a realization that I'm but a creature. Now, created in God's image yeah. and with, with wonderful gifts, but still... I'm but a creature, yep. and so I am fully reliant upon for every breath in my lungs, God Almighty, and that puts things in perspective as well. Yep. When I woke up this morning, the sun came up. I didn't cause that to happen. Did not. I, I didn't. I didn't. You know, I didn't flip a switch. I didn't. You know, fire up the hydrogen ball. That that didn't happen, right? I'm fully reliant upon God's sustenance, His provision, His goodness, His benevolence in all things. Yep. And it really puts me in my place, um, and it is a good, healthy dose of humble pie to eat, eat, to eat each and every morning that I am reliant, reliant upon God Almighty. Yeah. I always try to think um, – I've tried to look for um, examples of humility, mm. right? Like who, who in your life would you say, uh, that's a person who's humble – um, you've seen humility. What does it look like, right? So that so that it's not just like how do I develop it in myself, but how do you mm-hmm. see it? Where do you see that? I remember um, I was reading um, a few years ago, and I, I ran across a book, and it said, you know, George Marshall, greatest man mm-hmm. of the 20th century, mm-hmm. and I was like, really, George Marshall, right? Like, <laughs> I, and and I, I could tell you, like. At that point, if I told you, you know, tell me everything you know about George Marshall, mm-hmm. I would say um, the Marshall Plan put together Europe. And that's mm-hmm. that's literally all I knew, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously a general during World War II, know nothing about him. Six weeks later, I'm reading a book, right? George Marshall, greatest man of the 20th century. I was like, okay, Lord, I, I got it. Okay, right? <laughs> Sometimes it takes two or three things to hit me. And I was like, okay, find a book on George Marshall, read it. Mm-hmm. Find out what made him so great. So I got this book, it's called, you know, um, you know, soldier, peacemaker, statesman, something mm-hmm. like that, you know, life of George C. Marshall. And it talked about his humility. Mm. And it said that um, after World War II, Life, I think it was Life Magazine or Time Magazine approached him and he did a, you know, a spread for them on, you know, the war and wrote about it. And they said the interesting thing was he never used the pronoun I. How fascinating. And so everything, right, was not about him. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, um, they said that, I can't remember um, if it was... Um, uh, um, there was a there was a, a certain position that he wanted, um, and the person above him would made him ask for it, and they knew that he wouldn't ask for it because he would never promote himself. Uh-huh. And so they said, you know, was it a lack of ambition? They said, no, he was tremendously ambitious. Mm-hmm. It's just that he would always put others in his country ahead of his own ambition. And so I was just like, I was fascinated by that when I read Jim Collins's book, uh, Good to Great, mm-hmm. and it just talks about you know that level five leader. Yes, and he says, you know, what are, what are the things that that demonstrate that leader that just kind of takes your company from good to great. And mm. one of the things that he, he you know, talked about was just humility. Yeah. And it's like, it was so like foreign as a concept in the business world, even right. That it's when, almost ridiculed. Yeah. Totally. As you read some leadership books, yes. uh, it, it, it ridicules it in some ways uh, because people, they look at it and they, they almost go cross-eyed because they're thinking it seems so counterintuitive exactly. for how, I perceive leadership to look, right? I mean, um, I don't know that I'd recommend this entire book, but Simon Sinek's book, uh, Leaders Eat Last, it was really profound for a lot of people because he was saying leaders aren't always the ones out in front commanding and, you know, cracking the whip, but they are the ones that are, you know, serving and modeling uh, what leadership is supposed to look like. Yeah, Really fascinating idea, but not foreign to our biblical worldview. No, and, right, I think you're seeing, if you pay attention, 
even worldly literature, right, promotes the idea, even though I don't, I don't think they necessarily know why it's important mm-hmm. or what it really means, they see this other-centeredness, right? This, you know, Zig Ziglar mentality, right? Yes. You want, hey, you want to get ahead? Help other people get ahead, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, s- simple, right? But we know, right, that the truth of it comes from the idea that this is actually, in a sense, the very heart and nature of God himself. Yes. Um, when God says, hey, I oppose the proud and give grace to the humble, right? When Christ says, you know, we were just talking about the book Gentle and Lowly, mm-hmm. right? When mm-hmm. Christ describes himself and says, I'm gentle and lowly, yes. the word is actually humble, mm-hmm. right? And so it's this idea that that the way that the creator created the world and for it to run is actually that the fuel that moves it forward, in a sense, is humility. Yes. It is this other-centeredness as opposed to self-centeredness because what happens with self-centeredness is it pits people against each other, mm-hmm. right? Where it's me versus you, mm-hmm. so only one can get ahead. But if one gets ahead, then the other is simply grabbing at the heel and pulling back, yes. right? But if I'm pushing you forward, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, wait a second, let me push you forward. And the next mm-hmm. thing we know is both of us are, are advancing. Right. We're serving one We're another. We're serving one way. another. Yes. That's how a marriage works. That's mm-hmm. how a business works. And it's weird, but that's how, in a sense, the world actually works. And very few people grasp that concept of how important it is to, to, uh, to develop humility. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought up service. Mm-hmm. So I was just out in California, uh, took some boys out there on a, a mini-master trip, which is kind of like a mission trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things we added to that was a, a service component, right? Ah, so we yes. went to the Orange County Rescue Mission, mm. okay? A guy named Jim Palmer is out there. He's the president of it mm-hmm. now. Um, and, uh, and they had this service day, you know, set up for us. So we're out there, you know, cutting up fruit and, you know, preparing a meal, um, and they have, uh, I think, like 250 people, right, at the Orange County Rescue. People are there for, you know, a year, two, three, mm-hmm. um, teaching them a different way of doing life. And uh, can I just tell you, it was it was amazing. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely an amazing. So, hey, listen, if you're out somewhere near Orange County, <laughs> go to the Orange County Rescue Mission um, and serve there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was so interesting because everybody was so thankful for these boys who yeah. gave up time, right? And, hey, instead of going and doing something you, in a sense, I'd say this is the right way, instead of doing something that you wanted to do, mm-hmm. right? you did something for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it was so amazing to see how gracious people were. But the funny thing is, it's like, us serving you is really good for us. There's no question. And, and that's, that's there's, the, that's it, the there's crazy a reciprocal thing. effect. Exactly. Here. I saw the same thing. So, speaking of Minimester, mm-hmm. I took a group of students to Germany. Okay. And we were in uh, the city of Cologne. And one of the days while we were there, uh, we did homeless ministry. Okay. So, our uh, ministry partner uh, and his wife made. Um, a large, large pot of soup, mm. and then we, you know, we put it into smaller containers, and uh, then we put it in a soccer cart, if you will, and then uh, trailed it through the train station and trailed it through the city. And every time we saw a homeless person, which there are actually a lot of homeless people in Cologne, really, um, and so we would go homeless person to homeless person, and we would hand this soup to them. We'd have a conversation with them. We'd offer to pray for them, but it was. It was wonderful mm. uh, to watch our students um, serve in that way. And you could tell many of them had, had never done that kind of service before uh, because you could sense the uncomfortableness. Sure. And, of course, you're in a foreign city and yep. Yep. different language. And, you know, there's lots of barriers there. Uh, but once they got the taste of stooping to serve mm. – the homeless person that's, that's sitting there doesn't have anything to eat, doesn't have uh, gloves on their hands nor socks on their feet, 
as they were handing a pair of gloves and handing a pair of socks and handing this bowl of soup uh, to this person, the act of stooping was an act of humility, very Christ-like. This this past weekend at Prestonwood, our pastor was talking about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. That is stooping to serve. That's a very humble action uh, to serve the disciples. And we see this embodied uh, and transfigured into the life of Jesus in so many ways, this act of humility. And I, I do agree with you 100%. Uh, you've said it a couple times now. It, it, it is a kingdom ethic. Mm-hmm. So we as believers in Christ, as we look forward to our residency in heaven one day, a residency in the kingdom one day, uh, we're able to taste the kingdom today, Jesus tells us this in the Sermon on the Mount. And one of the Beatitudes is, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. And the word there for meek is another word for humble. Uh, It means that we are to stray away from focusing on one's own self-importance, that we're to be humble and gentle and mild and meek. And meekness isn't weakness in any way. Jesus was meek. Uh, but we see him overturning the tables in the in the temple. We see his anger displayed at unrighteousness. Uh, but he was humble as he was reliant upon God, and he was making himself low. This is what Paul says yep. in Philippians 2. He made himself low, and we are to emulate that character as followers of Christ. Yeah, so, I, so it's interesting you use the word stoop. Right, mm-hmm. I, I love that concept because it gives me a physical picture, right? Yes. And the washing of the feet. Mm-hmm. Here's a here's a thought that I had. Um, I, I hadn't even you know thought of this when I was when I was thinking about preparing this you know particular idea, but it's an interesting thing from a political standpoint. Okay, <laughs> um, Friedrich uh, Bastier has a book called The Law, mm-hmm. uh, and he talks about why socialism robs people right of their dignity. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he, and here's why. Okay, because you don't get to stoop. And help somebody else out. So, so his concept is: um, let, let's say you have a person in need, right? Mm-hmm. They need food, they need money. You know, the homeless person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if the government taxes, you know, you and I, right? The money goes to help the person, right? Socialism, uh, and that person is helped. What you and I miss is the stooping. Mm-hmm. What you and I miss is the handing the gloves. What you and I miss is right the actual sacrifice needed to help that person out. What they miss is getting that from somebody who's made a sacrifice. Yes. So it comes from the government, right? Then it's like uh, you know it's it's a careless gift to them. Um, they don't appreciate it because nobody mm-hmm. had to sacrifice to give it. Right. You and I don't appreciate the giving of it because we didn't have to sacrifice. And so Bastier says this concept is he's like socialism, right, is terrible both for the giver and the receiver. No question. Capitalism, right, if done correctly from a biblical perspective, means that as you are blessed, you are blessed to be a blessing to somebody else. And as you make that sacrifice, then a person who's receiving it is receiving something because you've chosen to stoop to go down and wash feet, and that person can receive that Mm -hmm. love and that graciousness. And you're not there to keep them there, but you're there to help them up. 100%. And it's just, it's such an amazing thing, because I'm like, that's that's a perfect way of looking at, Mm -hmm. right, the role and the opportunity. Now, he takes it from a political standpoint and says, hey, socialism doesn't work, because here's why, right? It just, it makes people rotten to the core. 
right? Yes. They, they don't appreciate, right? And and not only do not appreciate receiving, but you don't appreciate giving. Mm-hmm. But the other side of it is, right, we should be doing more of this. Like we should have, and, and I just th- thought about this, right? Um, one of the books um, that I was reading was talking about, uh, I guess it was Andrew Murray's book. He said, brother, are you closed? Clothed in humility, ask your daily life, ask Jesus, ask your friends, ask the world. And that idea is, um, do you have in your calendar times that you could say, hey, here's where I've scheduled service and humility opportunities to do something for somebody else? Things that you're not paid to do. Things that you're not paid to do. Mm -hmm. Things that maybe, you know, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing and you're just there ministering. People don't know who you are. People don't care who you are. Yes. All right. Are you putting those into your daily life? Um, on a on a consistent basis, mm-hmm. right? And I know we scheduled, you know, time for work and time for meetings and time for vacation, and you know, all those things are on our calendar. But I I would just love for a person to just go through and evaluate, you know, twenty twenty three. Is there time that you've got in there that you say, yeah, hey, in uh, July I'm going to go do mm-hmm. this, you know, and hey, in September we're going and we're doing this. Like yep. wh- those those. I I remember um, I've got a friend who actually works for a ministry. Um, that um, as kids have cancer, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they need to have a little, you know, time off and a day, you know, some, so they put together a camp uh, and these, you know, these families go there and they actually have families, other families that go to this camp um, and serve, right, the family in need. And he's just like, it's so amazing because you would think that the family who's going through the difficulty would be, would be the one getting the blessing. He's like, the families who are actually doing the serving are the ones who love the camp even more. Yes. And it's just kind of crazy. Like, it's like you, you people should be going on vacation somewhere and having other people serve you. But there's something so, in a sense, heavenly and otherworldly about serving other people that when you do it on a voluntary basis, when you don't have to, Mm-hmm. When I could be doing something else, but I choose to serve, when I choose to minister, that in a sense, right, that is, right, that Christ-likeness that actually has been built into your DNA yes. that, that maybe people don't even know because they've never tapped into it before. Yes. Like that's that's how God has created us, right? Not just to work hard, make money, mm-hmm. buy a bunch of stuff, Yes. right? But take some and and here's the thing to give of ourselves right but not just taking like oh this stuff i know people you know hey i got old stuff mm-hmm. can we give that away that's that's fine right i mean it's better than throwing things away but what about new stuff yes. right? what what about taking a vacation and instead of saying hey let's go to a, a you know a foreign city um you know use our american dollars you know sit on the beach and have everybody serve us what about finding a a, a ministry that you say how can i serve other people 100% so a um, couple couple thoughts to that. I I have it written down. I thought it was in the Bible that's in front of me, and I can't f- seem to find it. But um, someone at some point uh, in a sermon or a lesson that I heard mm-hmm. talked about a, the tithe principle. Okay. And of course, we're familiar with the the monetary piece, sure. right? I want to tithe. I want to give the first tenth, first tenth yeah, of, the f- my, the first of my finan- right. my finances yep. uh, to the storehouse for the advancement of the kingdom. Right. But they went on from that. What about the first tenth of your week? So you have 168 hours. Okay. okay? What do you do with that 16.8 hours? Wow. How are you serving it? How are you giving it away? Uh, this is something you're not paid for. This is something you are, you know, as you said, it's not for my own recognition. Uh, I want to sort of fade into, um, you know, oblivion there yeah. because I don't want people just, I'm just there to serve and be Jesus. Yep or just serve and be the hands and feet of Christ. Another one is, and you mentioned this, but I want to tithe 
my vacation time. Mm -hmm. I want to give the first tenth of my vacation time. So if you get two weeks of vacation, that's probably the bare minimum, uh, but you get two weeks of vacation, those 10 days, uh, could you give a day of it? Yeah. Or, you know, two days of it. Ooh, that'd be crazy, right? 20% of your vacation. Give that away. You take that PTO off um, and you are going to give it uh, for the advancement of the kingdom for you know, for the lowering of yourself, the stooping, if you will. Um, And I also want to say, and and I know I'm going backwards here, what you mentioned about socialism, I saw in vivid color in Germany, because Germany is a socialist country, very much, very much so. And if you're a citizen of Germany, or if you're a resident of Germany, um, you are paying taxes like crazy yes. uh, to support all of the social programs. So those homeless people, they weren't homeless and out on the streets because the state wasn't doing anything to serve them. Quite the contrary. Our, our hosts said several times, you know, these people could go to the place that is going to house them, clothe them, feed them, take care of all their medical necessities because the taxes in Germany pay for all of that. And yet the reason they were standing on the streets, as we were told, was because they longed for human interaction. Mm. So true. Because the facilities were so sterilized from human contact, they were standing on the streets so that someone would look at them and recognize them and stoop to them and have a conversation with them. And so it's just, that's the way we're wired it is. as human beings. Yep. We're created as this personal being. Uh, and so, man, I, I'm, I'm loving this. Um, it's uh, very, very helpful uh, as we think through uh, humility and uh, these ethics of the Christian life that we're to adopt. And um, yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier... Um, you know, Andrew Murray's book, Humility, something else that I took out of there um, was, was this line um, where he talks about um, no tree can grow except on the root from which it sprang. Hmm. And, and he said it several times, right? No tree can grow except from the root from which it sprang. And so he's basically saying, here's the thing, in your life, right, if humility is the seed in your life, what will grow from that, right, is the fruit of humility, mm-hmm. okay? And the fruit of humility is things that are easily given to other people because as they grew, right, they weren't there for you. They were there to be a blessing mm-hmm. for others. Mm-hmm. If the seed of your life is self-centeredness, then when that fruit grows, right, that fruit is self-centered as well. Self-exaltation. Exactly. Yes. And so that's uh, that's what I see, right, is I see people who right? The seed of their life is this self-centeredness. I want to get ahead. I want to be better. I want to make a name for myself. And then as their, as their life grows and as that worldly success comes in and as those resources are there, they're tainted with that self-centeredness that they can't give it away. Mm-hmm. They can't use it to better somebody else because it, it came from the seed of self-centeredness. So it's, it's mine. Mm-hmm. It, it's more mine. Right, um, and and you, and you watch people right who who live in, you know, homes that right you know seventeen families could live in, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh, you know, the other day I was you know driving by a car, you know, you know you're driving on you know Preston Road, right, in, in Dallas, and you know you've got a Lamborghini on one side and you know whatever on the other side. And I'm just like, dude, that you car- passed me, didn't wave, yeah. <laughs> 
I was so joking. Right. But I was like, that would be a great car on the Autobahn. Sure. But it's just kind of funny here in Dallas mm-hmm. on, you know. It's pretentious. On, on, Preston, on Preston Road as you're, yeah. as you're driving 35 miles an hour, right? Yeah. But it's, it's, it's not that you can't ha- – I don't want to look at one thing, right? Because if I have a, a, a lifestyle um, that is giving, mm-hmm. right, it doesn't mean that I can't have nice things. Correct. Right? So, so I never want to take a snapshot of something and say, ha-ha, right? But I do want people to evaluate their life mm-hmm. and just say, mm-hmm. right, is, is the seed of my life – humility and a um a trust in god Mm -hmm. so that i can take the things that he's given me and i hold them loosely yes or is the seed of my life Mm self-reliance um you know self-aggrandizement right and it's about self so that when when i get stuff i have to hold on to it tightly because i'm defined by it yep right i'm defined by um my success right and i mentioned and that's why i started off mentioning uh, that you have a doctorate um, because seriously, right? I'm I'm kind of in you know the academic world, mm-hmm. and it's it's funny, right? Because I know tons of people who, if they have a doctorate and you don't call them doctor, um, they will you know correct you immediately, mm-hmm. right? And and here's the thing: you're not one of those people, no, right? You're I mean, here's the funny thing: you're you're Jason Snyder, I am, um, but you're also because my mama calls me Jason. I tell people that all the time. <laughs> in fact, I had a conversation with another one of our ministers the other day, because as of late, uh more of our intern staff. Mm-hmm. So these are our young in-training ministers right. as, it's, um, in seminary. Here we have it. Uh, Presswood, very blessed by these men and women. Uh, as of late, a lot more of them have been calling me Dr. Snyder. Okay, And so I pulled another minister aside and I'm like, have I at any point like said, Made reference to- <laughs> this, this is what I demand yes. or this is what I expect because... It's not like I don't mind being called sure. Dr. Snyder when I was on the trip of the students in Germany. They talk, they called me that the entire time. It was their mode of respect. Yeah. That's fine. Yes. One of the students actually, we were walking from one ministry site to another, and she said, Jason. And I didn't think anything of it, but she was so embarrassed yeah. because she called me by my first name. And I turned around and said, I am not in any way offended. Yeah. It is my name. Or or if the students called you Mr. Snyder. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so, so that would be the only thing, right? Yeah. And I just I just know that there are some people, right, mm-hmm. that what whatever it is that you have to give now now calling you Dr. Snyder out of respect because you've earned that, fantastic. But people who demand yeah. Right, as opposed to if somebody called you Mr. Snyder and you freak out, it's like, well, actually, he is Mr. Snyder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Last time uh, I checked, yes. Yes. And he's Dr. Snyder. Right. <laughs> so I mean I'm just thinking it's like you know, I think that self check, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, ask your friends, ask some people around you, and say, "Hey, am I the kind of person um, that if I don't feel like people are, um, you know, giving me my due, mm-hmm. right, that I make sure, right?" Or you know, and it's like, is it more about me, or is it more about how do I make connections with people and make others feel comfortable? Exactly. And right, and and I, and and that's the concept that I think we're we're so missing. Yes. Right. Is I see so many people that it's like it's about them and they want everybody to know it. Right. And, and you wonder why we don't have that that sense of community and mm-hmm. connectedness. And it's like, well, because you have to be the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. Right. And people don't know how to connect with the center exactly. of the universe because they're not it. Mm-hmm. Right. We just we just kind of circle around you. So it's interesting, and I don't remember the exact details of what this article said, Mm -hmm. but it came out of the UK and it was when Queen Elizabeth was still alive. Mm -hmm. And if you're familiar at all with her life, 
uh, of course, she was the queen, right? And so she had every right, so to speak, to be the queen, sure. royal, regal, down, kiss distant from yep. people, kiss my ring, the whole the thing. Whatever. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, something. Uh, but her her life embodied something different. Yeah. Because one of her favorite things, so said this article writer, mm-hmm. uh, was going and being with the people. She mm-hmm. loved the people. Yeah. And so there were many times where she would mingle uh, with the crowd and she would stoop and she would she would bow, which is an interesting posture yeah. for a monarch to take is to bow to the crowd. Now, it wasn't a formal bow, but sure. as she was listening to people, she was moving toward them. She would reach out. She'd take their hand. Uh, as she got older and as technology changed, she would take selfies with people. Yeah. Uh, and that's just, it almost seems unbecoming of her office uh, and of the throne, but yet that was her personality. Yeah. She embodied in many ways, and I truly think this was because of her faith, but she embodied a humility uh, toward individuals. Yeah. So I have a I have a test okay. that I think proves true in people's lives, okay? Humility, I think, is attracted to, or rather, let me say, reverse this. The presence of God, okay? God is attracted to, mm-hmm. if we can use that word, mm-hmm. humility, yeah. a humble life, right. right? God blesses the humble. Uh, the blessed life is with the humble. And so Andrew Murray, really fantastic quote in his book, okay? He says, here's the path to the higher life, Mm -hmm. which is going to seem counterintuitive because Christianity in many ways uh, is upside down. It's a paradox. I mean, all all the time. It totally. Upside down. So Murray says- Die so that you can live. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Um, Things like last is first, giving is receiving, Uh dying is living, all of those things. Love them. So here's, here's his quote. Uh, if you want to, here's the path to the higher life, down, lower, down. Yes. Just as water always seeks and fills the lowest, the lowest place, so the moment God finds men abased and empty, his glory and power flow in to exalt and to bless. Oh, that's good. So if you want to, like, that's the good. test. That's good. Right? I like that, yes. The test is, do you feel... The powerful presence of God in your life, mm-hmm. the powerful presence of God who is flowing in to exalt, right, to bless, to provide for. I mean, again, in the Sermon on the Mount, which is the kingdom ethic, yes. it says, seek all of these or seek the kingdom of God, right? And what is the kingdom of God? Well, one of the ethics is humility. Mm-hmm. So you seek humility. You seek to be low, uh, and not self-exalted, right? Not demonic and satan- sat- satanic in that way, but low, debased. What what Murray says, and there the presence of God rushes to you. Yes, and He will, Matthew says, recording Jesus's words, give you all of these things. Yes, right. So the paradox, to use your word, is we believe as human beings, I must achieve everything. I must. Uh, get the possessions, I must get the financial wealth, I must get the relationship, I must get the business contracts, I must exalt self. Right. When all reality is what we are, what we should do and what the man of God should do is bring himself low. Yeah. Yeah. Stoop to serve, which, I mean, the best example of this 
is obviously Jesus, but my favorite verse speaking to this is Matthew or Mark ten forty five. Okay, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for the many. So I was looking up First um, Peter five, and it says, oh, "Clothe yeah. yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you." Wonderful. And just just that that concept, right? Is that mm-hmm. you know what you're saying is if you want to have a life that God can use. Now, if if you don't, right? If, if you want, <laughs> if you do, well, seriously, if you, if you mm-hmm. just want to have a life that has some sort of temporary meaning and significance that you're trying to give it, mm-hmm. right? I, I think you know, fine, right? If, if that's what you're pursuing, but if you want to have a life that has meaning beyond you, if you want to have a, a, a life that has significance that comes from something greater than you, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you really need to grasp that idea, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's pl- plenty of people out there, um, you know, that they got their name on the side of a building and, you know, they're, they're fine with um, a temporary um, acknowledgement that, hey, you're all that in a bag of chips. Mm-hmm. But that's not what you're created for. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think you're settling for something less than what God could actually create in you and through you. 100%. So if you want something that's greater than yourself, then I love that idea is the way to get it Mm-hmm. right, is to humble yourself mm-hmm. and to allow God to fill you with his presence, right, to give you the path to walk. And then as you walk in obedience, watch what God does mm-hmm. to exalt you, yes. right? Because the Psalms talk about how right, he's, he has not made you, or Proverbs, right, he has not made you, um, you know, as you work hard mm-hmm. and as you, as you walk in obedience, right, he's not going to put you between before obscure men. He's going to mm-hmm. put, put you before princes, yes. right? So the idea being... That as God is exalted in your life, mm-hmm. right, God can use you, right, to bring attention, right, to your life that brings attention to him. Yes. And, and if your life is about you, right, then God's going to say, okay, well, then, you know, you're on your own. Mm-hmm. You're, you're on your own to build your own life and to bring attention to yourself mm-hmm. and do whatever you want. But if you can humble yourself and surrender that to me for my glory, right, then I can use you to do something great and mighty through. Yes. That, because that will reliance, last forever. Yes. Reliance. If I'm reliant upon God, he blesses that. I love it. And he will, he, he exalts that. Because uh, God knows already yeah. that we're in desperate need. Uh, this is not a surprise to him. He made us. Um, but we don't know that. Right. <laughs> That's the crazy yeah. thing. Yeah. And so that is, we, we need to realize how truly in need we are. And there's a lot of people that refuse to make that acknowledgement, but I'll be the first one. Uh, the, the accomplishments that I've had in my, in my personal life have not come because Jason has accomplished them. I give credit and glory to God Almighty. He is the one that has accomplished those things. And, and I am just joyful to reap, reap the benefits. Yeah. Uh, my position here at Prestonwood, I mean, in some ways, it doesn't make sense. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know that I'm old enough in, in one regard or even have enough experience to do this, and yet God sees it fit that this is where I'm at, mm. and I'm blessed. And when I'm all the way reliant upon him, mm-hmm. it makes the job so much more significant Amen. and so much more blessed uh, because I know that God's the one that's doing it. I regularly pray, God, would you do something that I can't take credit for? Because if I can take credit for it, that's self-reliance, right. and I've accomplished it. But God, you do something in and through me that I can't take credit for, uh, because I'll be real quick to give you the glory uh, for that, uh, because I know that it wasn't me. Yeah. 
it wasn't me. And that's the, that's a humble position. Amen. Yeah. Well, there's so much more we could talk about from oh, humility. Yeah. Um, My goodness. I think just, you know, moving to that practical part, just real quickly. Um, if, if you were a young man, um, let's say, you know, 18, 19, 20, and you mm-hmm. just said, Hey, okay. Okay. Jason, I'm, I'm, I'm buying what you're selling. Mm-hmm. Um, humility is something I need to develop. Mm-hmm. Give, just give me one thing. Study the life of Christ. There you go. I love it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> take the greatest the, model of yeah. <laughs> it and and just pay attention to that. We, I mean, it, it is though. Can I yes. can I tell you? You know, it's funny. We we watch the chosen, mm-hmm. um, and you see the humility of Jesus, like literally, yeah, like li- lived out in front of you. Right. Open the pages of Scripture. Um, you can't study the life of Christ mm-hmm. without just being bathed in His humility. There's no question. I mean, it's 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 all over. Yeah, that. and we are called as believers to be transformed, transform the way we live, yep. transform the way we think, yep. transform our affections, uh, transform the things that are important to us. Uh, and the word there is metamorphosis, to be fully changed. Right, that's that Romans twelve idea. Yeah, and not to be conformed to the world. The word the world says we must be conformed or shoved into the mold of being the prideful, arrogant, pull it up by your own bootstraps, right. I did it, nobody else did, yep. a type of mentality. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Where the biblical ethic is more of Christ, less of me. Let him rush to me and fill the low place uh, so that I can see his glory. And I I want to be more like Jesus. I tell people on a regular basis, the goal of our life should be to look, act, and love yeah more like Jesus each and every day. And so I want to do that. I can't do that by theory. I need to study the actual person. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why we're given the Gospels, is we can read Jesus's words. We can see how he acted. Mm-hmm. We can see how he moved, how he discipled, how he taught, how he sat humbly at the feet of his father, uh, rising early to go to sure. times of prayer, sure. saying, I don't do anything unless, my, the, unless the Father tells me right. to do not it. Not my will. Right. Not my will, but the Father's will. That's right. And even in that, there's such a conundrum because he's God. Yeah. And he can do it. But yet he's still fully reliant upon God Almighty. And so that that image alone should take your roof off as a believer. Yep. As you sit at the feet of Jesus and go, I need to be more like Christ. Yes and sit at his feet and sit at the Father's feet and rely fully upon the Spirit of God, because that's the only way I can do it. Yeah. If he needed humility, how much more do I need it? Amen. <laughs> yes. Right? Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Romans 12. Last thing I'll say is, right, you, you said about changing your thinking, right, which is the first couple of verses. Um, but then Romans 12 goes into, um, you know, verses 3 uh, through 8 talks about not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, 9 through the rest talks about the contrary uh, way of living, outdoing one another in showing mm-hmm. honor, right? Uh, preferring others ahead of yourself. Mm-hmm. And then it says, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. So that whole concept is is laid out there that as you change your thinking, right, your actions are going to follow. Yes. Don't try to change your actions first. <laughs> yes, correct. Right? Try to change your concept, right? Your thinking mm-hmm. of, of what it is that drives you. And when you look at the life of Christ and you say, hey, because Christ has done this, right, now my actions can follow mm-hmm. this that I believe, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, it's it's getting closer to Christ and, and paying more attention to him um, that will end up changing your actions. So mm-hmm. don't, don't just add a service project day, right? Um, add the word of God. 
Um, surrender your life to him, allow him to be the driving force in your life, and you will see humility mm-hmm. as the outgrowth of a life that's changed by Christ. 100%. Love it. Thanks oh, for the time, Jason. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training, the number four, manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.